two quick vignettes as I consider this Jonah tale. First, my mother-in-law. When her mother, Granny Phillips, was in her 90s and living in the care facility where Russ's parents actually live now, Granny was beginning to show those signs of aging where you mainly just don't want to go and do, but you want to sit and stay. Russ's mother took it upon herself to make sure Granny Phillips didn't slow down too much, and she worked to keep her on the go because it was good for her. And it probably was, but Granny just wasn't feeling it. But that did not stop Helen Dean. She knew that as soon as Granny stopped going, she would stop a lot of other things. And she knew she needed to move in order to keep moving, and she needed to keep socializing in order to stay alert. Helen knew what was best for her, and as an aging, par aging parent caregiver extraordinaire, she was committed to pushing Granny to do the things that were good for her, even if Granny was not on board. The phrase that left all of us laughing, and we still say it sometimes now, long after Granny's death, was when Granny would whine, and Granny was not a whiner, and she would say, Helen, please don't make me. Helen, please don't make me, as Helen is putting on Granny's coat and tying the plastic rain bonnet on under her chin. Helen, please don't make me. I thought about that when I read Jonah this week. God knew what was good for Jonah. God was sending Jonah to a place that he did not want to go to say things he did not want to say. And Jonah was a bit whiny about it himself. God, please don't make me, as God is putting on Jonah's coat and tying the rain bonnet. I guess God knew the fish was coming. A second memory that pops up for me around Jonah is listening to Russ tell our very young sons Bible stories. Now, if you think Russ can cover a thousand years of church history in a succinct and interesting way, you should hear him tell young children Bible stories that aren't all that child-friendly. And yes, that's right, everything in the Bible is not appropriate for children. Parents and leaders should discern how to read the Bible to their children just as you maneuver what they watch on TV or how to use their screen time. Jonah is one of those stories that should be very carefully told. But I can still hear Russ telling our very young sons, much in the same way that he read about Max and where the wild things are, when the wild things would roar their terrible roars and gnash their terrible teeth and roll their terrible eyes and show their terrible claws, and then they would do the wild rumpus complete with a wild rumpus dance that we made up to make sure that the wild things were not so scary after all. So that's how he told the story of Jonah, and it went something like this. He would say, God told Jonah to go that way, so Jonah went this way. And then he got on a boat that was going this way, and he got thrown out of the boat, and then he would make this sound with this motion, and it went right over the boys' heads, but I laughed every time. Doo-doo. 
And the the big fish would come in and with a funny big swallow up Jonah and we'd just pass right over that part kind of fast. And then three days later, the big fish burped really loud because little boys love a good burp. And Jonah landed on the beach and decided to go the way God told him to go. And then Russ would tell about the yucky, yucky Ninevites that weren't really all that yucky because God wanted Jonah to know that no one was so yucky that God doesn't love them. So God sent Jonah to tell the yucky Ninevites that God loved them. And even though Jonah didn't want to tell them, he went anyway because, you know, everyone deserves to know that God loves them. There's so many lessons to be learned from this somewhat comedic, if not completely child-friendly tale. For today, just a couple of things. God often calls us to go where we do not want to go to say the things we do not want to say. It's easier to stay put and keep our mouths shut. We are easily distracted or worse, claim to be too busy to be bothered by the needs of God. Besides, our judgmental nature leads us to be so sure of ourselves about who's out, who's in, who's welcome, who deserves to be alienated. The amount of certainty around such things on both sides of every scenario you can think of has become off-putting to me, especially when I hear it come out of my own mouth. A meme was floating around this week on social media. It goes like this. After close study, I've concluded that Jesus believed there were two kinds of people. One, your neighbors, whom you're supposed to love. And two, your enemies, whom you're supposed to love. I can't help but think that this meme was making the rounds this week because of the Jonah story coming up today. Nothing made Jonah matter than to ha having to warn the yucky, yucky Ninevites that God would surely destroy them if they did not turn from their evil ways. In Jonah's mind, they did not even deserve the heads up. There was one thing that made Jonah matter than having to tell the yucky, yucky Ninevites, and it was that the yucky, yucky Ninevites listened and repented and did what God wanted them to do. That was the worst part for Jonah. No, I take that back. The very worst part for Jonah was that God had a change of heart, a change of plans, a change of mind, and God decided not to smite the people, and that really ticked Jonah off. The story ends as one of those tragic comedies where the main character at the end is sitting off by himself, miserable, all alone, because he is mad he is so mad about mercy and grace and love afforded to everyone, even the yuckiest among us. Where is it that you do not want to go? What is it that you do not want to say? What's the situation in your life that needs mercy and grace and love, even if it doesn't seem deserving in your eyes. 
What are the times that you know good and well in the deepest recesses of your gut that God is calling you to go that way and you go this way instead? Avoiding the people that are the most difficult, the most unlovely, the most annoying, the least deserving. Who is it that in the darker corner of your heart that you don't find worthy of God's unrelenting, redeeming love? You recognize that's on you and not God, right? Your judgment, God's judgment, not the same thing. The main character of this story is not Jonah. We are Jonah. Jonah is the minor player reluctantly, inefficiently, begrudgingly working on behalf of the star of the show. The headliner, the Golden Globe Academy Award winner of this story is love, which is just another name for God. It's love that calls on the most least likely, poor attitude, selfish and spiteful messenger. Which means there's so much hope for us. Even at our worst, love can use us. It's love that sees in a seemingly unredeemable people group the possibility for change. Which means there's so much hope for us. Even when we are stuck in our own ways, love can change us into who God is calling us to be. It is love that calls us to go where we don't want to go, to say the things we do not want to say. It is love that challenges us. It is love that nudges us. It is love that persists in always asking more of us than we want to give. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The love of God that calls us into action can be so aggravating. Just ask Jonah about that. It will call us out of our comfort zones and lead us into some of the darkest and most frightening places. Go anyway. It will call us to live in a countercultural way that will make us look and act like we've lost our minds. Live that way anyway. It will call us to say things most folks are not saying, like you're loved, you're forgiven, be at peace, say it anyway. Love is fierce and unrelenting. So take your cues from God and be persistent in insisting on love's way. Love shelters the unhoused and travels to the wrong side of the tracks. Love destroys the tracks and works to make a level playing ground for all people. Love comforts the downtrodden and feeds the hungry. Love acts like we would expect God to act and love also expects us to follow suit. Love is persistent, pushing us to make us uncomfortable going to the places we would really rather not go and speaking lovely things even when we feel bitterness and resentment and are tempted to think that revenge is oh so sweet. Love will put a different word in our mouth. 
Love takes care of the least of these. Love pursues justice. Love speaks truth to power. Love does not cower. Love does not play favorites. Love tends to those with the most need. Love speaks softly but acts boldly. Love finds the most difficult situations and plops right down in the middle of it and works it out. Love welcomes all. If you hear mean-spirited talk, go the other way. If you witness exclusion and rejection, move in the opposite direction. If you feel the power of hate taking root, turn around and run toward love's persistent pull. Or is it love that sometimes is so pushy as to shove us in the direction God wants us to go. And never be surprised by love's power to change. Even the yuckiest of Ninevites among us and within us can change. So pay attention to where you're going these days. Do you only travel to the places that make you feel comfortable, warm, and fuzzy? Do you ever push yourself to go to the places where you are most needed, but where you know ahead of time you will be aggravated, put out, delayed from your normal patterns of of a comfortable life? And listen to your own words. And not just what you say, but the tone in which you say them. Are you speaking compassion? Are you using love's language? And do your actions reflect your words? Do you walk the talk that we speak in this place? Returning to that meme of the week, after close study, I've concluded that Jesus believed there were two kinds of people. One, your neighbors whom you're supposed to love, and two, your enemies whom you're supposed to love. May love be the award-winning headliner of our lives and us love's understudy, taking us to every single Nineveh there is to share the good news of the redeeming, persistent love of God. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray together. Creating and creative God, our world is spinning, always spinning, spinning with life, whirling out newness in every turn. And in this age in which we live, it's difficult to keep up with all the spinning. The world is spinning faster and faster with technological change, cultural change, climate change, political and religious and economic change, round and round, faster and faster. When it all feels out of control, God who loves the world, God whose love encompasses the whole turning, turning, whirling, cosmic world, 
speak to us with a voice of calm. Speak to us in a still, small voice of calm, but a voice that quietly reminds us that it is not the spinning we need to fear. It's not the change, not the newness. It's not the speed of change. Remind us in a spinning world that it's never change we need to fear. Tell us again, O God, as you told Isaiah so long ago, behold, I am doing a new thing, always a new thing. So remind us that it is only the fear of the newness we need to fear. It is those who cannot change that we need to fear. Those who will not change that we need to fear. Those who want to go back that we need to fear. They say, make it stop. Make it like it used to be. But it will never be like it used to be. Thanks be to you, O God. It will never be like it used to be. So forgive us when we cannot change, when we will not change. Remind us by your own example, God of constant change, God of ever becoming newness and love, remind us that even you sometimes change your mind and move in a new direction in an ever becoming, always new world, a world that will not quit spinning. In this prayer of intercession, nudge us with the recognition that true intervention would have to mean entering into a place you had not been, but this never rightly defines your life with us, God who never leaves us or forsakes us. So the intercession we need in an ever-spinning world is not an interjection of your presence as if you stood atop a frightening world deciding when or if to do something. The intercession we need is a careful reminder of your constant presence constant presence with us in a world that will never quit spinning. We give thanks, O God, for your ever-becoming, ever-changing, never-ceasing intercession. 